Did not go there. Hold on just a second. I'm Uh-oh. catching up here. <laughs> All right. I'll start here. <laughs> this is all about wine. The talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, solo master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is wow. just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast. And around the world. Around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebcr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebcr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Oh my God, I'm so happy. I, I, I'm curious. Did you wow. ask the Whistler not to come back? The who? Oh, the yeah. Whistler. Yeah. Yes, they were causing problems. Uh, that person was. So, yeah, they're not coming yeah. back. They're, they won't be back for a bit. Um, wow, we were talking... Um, you know, as we normally do before the show and time just got totally, I wasn't even paying attention to the timer anymore. And all of a sudden your show will go live in five seconds. Like, Oh, I, I hadn't Whoa. even started, you know, my, my, you know, little count on video and then all that stuff. And it was like, Oh, well, I better start hitting some buttons here. I didn't realize we had in five seconds and <laughs> wow, that uh, totally caught me off guard. That that was, snuck uh, up on you, yeah. I didn't. I used sure to did. say something too, yeah. and I didn't even notice it. I'm I'm sitting here talking, and yeah. you know, yeah. and not not paying any attention really to the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well uh, we I, I we usually have that. more to talk. We got on yeah. late, you know. Yeah. Uh, we usually, you yeah. know, so it, our internal clock yeah. was off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was way off. Well, and their clock is according to their backwards. like the on air clock on the corner. Yeah, we're we should be off air by now. But um, yeah. I was just looking. And <laughs> it's, it's crazy. On air, your yeah. show is now overtime. Yeah, but uh, I wasn't even paying attention. You were, you know, we were talking back and forth, and, and I was just, you know, listening, and all of a sudden, your show will go live in five seconds. <laughs> no, it won't. No. I'm not ready. Don't you hear me? Wow. <laughs> she doesn't care. Yeah. The little, no. little girl that hits that button doesn't no. care. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She does yeah. not care. Not at and, all. Then I had to find the the right browser with everything on it, and so here we are. Welcome to the show. Here we are. It is uh, September eighth, twenty twenty two, at seven oh four something p.m. Eastern time. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to chat, <laughs> please do so. You can chat with us on uh, our Facebook uh, page wherever you see this live video uh, going. You can chat with us there, and you can chat with us on YouTube. And uh, I don't know if Mixcloud, I think Mixcloud comes over here, but we're also on Mixcloud uh, live as well. So I think we're on Apple Podcasts too, uh, live. Yeah, yeah. I don't, so. yeah that's through uh, something else. I, I don't have them plugged yeah. in, but yeah, they do get the, they do get it. So, and a couple others that we don't know about either. So down, that's yeah. true. So it's yeah. a surprise, it's a surprise, but uh, here we are. Uh, thank you for joining hey. us. 
Yes, definitely. Oh, we have to start out on a sad, sad note. Mm -hmm. Queen Elizabeth died today. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Got the news earlier. A a grand lady. I mean, you know, and from Mm -hmm. what everybody says and everything I've ever read about her, she was, you know, really was a grand lady who who was very humble and and was just a good person all the way around. So we we give our condolences and everything to the people of uh, England and all the families of Queen Elizabeth and all that. So, who who's mm-hmm. who takes over now? I, is that going to be Charles? Yes, okay. Prince Charles is is next in line. And I had a photo somewhere that showed uh, I forgot where I got it from, but it had all of the uh, you know the I guess the top down, and he was he's he's first in line. Well, yeah, he he would be King Charles, and then mm-hmm. Prince William, the Duke of Cambridge. Uh, and then Prince George of Cambridge, uh, Princess Charlotte is number three or four. Prince Louis of Cambridge. Everybody's from Cambridge. That must be the, is that yeah, the royal family. Yeah. Well, that's born, that's right? uh, uh, that's the oldest then, son and the children. Oh, and then coming in at number five, Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> And finally, at number six, our top six guest now, <laughs> Master Archie. Uh, yeah, that, that's the, uh, you know, uh, the oldest boy, uh, the little like boy. But that, yeah. Master if, Archie, if it gets like down to six people, he, he would take over. Yeah. It has, As an infant? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it has happened in you know, monarchies wow. throughout the ages. Yeah, you know, there's been, wow. you know, the Roman Empire. They've had kings that were, yeah. you know, eight, nine years old and stuff like that, or emperors oh or whatever, eight, nine years old. Yeah, it's, hmm. uh, you know, age makes no difference. It's the lineage Amazing. that counts. So, hmm. uh, okay. So, well, well long, the, the, the queen yeah. is dead, long live the king. Uh, you know, that's... Yeah. As yeah, the same so. goes. So, but yeah, yeah, our condolences to everybody mm-hmm. over in England for the loss of your queen. Um, got news, just stuff for you tonight. In fact, I was telling Mike before the show what we're going to do is I was thumbing through some old. Well, actually, I was purging a lot of some old articles and old things that i don't need any more i don't know why i save them i'm just a hoarder i guess but i was going through my stuff and i saw some stuff i thought was interesting that we haven't talked about just bits and pieces i mean not something any long i do have one long thing i'm going to talk about at the beginning here but most everything else is going to be snippets if you will the uh, the long thing i'm going to talk about is uh, let me find it here. Okay, here it is. Ron Rubin Winery. I get their e-letter every week, I believe it is. It comes in. I get their e-letter every week. And the e-letter, it tells what's happening at the winery. Actually, it's written by the winemaker, uh, Ed. Ed, Ed, Ed. What's Ed's last name? Uh 
stuff that's going on. He has pictures along with it. If you don't have the email, you can sign up for it. It's it's really, really quite interesting. Uh, well, this came in under order, orders, O-R-D-E-R-S, orders at ronrubinwinery.com, R-O-N-R-U-B-I-N, rubinwinery.com. Uh, or you can go to that and I'm sure sign up for the e-letter through that. But it is really interesting. It, uh, he talks about winter harvest where he talks about temperatures there. They have pictures of stuff and everything else. But the reason I might end up reading more of this than I want to, but to be sure I cover everything, I might just go ahead and read it to you. He turned this over to his assistant winemaker a uh, young man by the name of William Thiersch, T-H-I-E-R-S-C-H, Thiersch. And William, I guess goes by William, has been working on sustainability certifications. And Wine Ruben Winery is big on the sustainability and uh um, organic and all that other stuff. But let me read you this here about what they just got certified in. And uh, then we'll talk about what it is a little bit more. Uh, it says, uh, Hi, everyone. My name is William Tears, assistant winemaker at Ron Rubin Winery. While I primarily work in production at the winery, I also help update and maintain all current sustainability certifications. I am happy to announce that as of August 5th, Ron Rubin Winery has officially became a B Corp certified company. Exclamation point, so he's proud of it. He says, now what does this mean and how do B, Corp, B Corps distinguish themselves from other companies? And he shows the logo and all that. B Corps are mission-driven companies that balance uh, purpose and profit. B Corps are for-profit companies that meet the highest standards of social and environmental performance, transparency, and accountability. Certified B Corps are leaders in the global movement for an inclusive, equitable, and regenerative economy. Unlike other certifications for businesses, a B Corp certification is unique in its ability to measure a company's entire social and environmental impact. Over the last year and a half, we have gone through the process of reporting much about Ron Rubin Winery to B-Lab about our impact on our winery structure, workers, community, and environment. Each of these aspects of the wine uh, of the winery is looked under a microscope by B Lab to ensure that Ron Rubin Winery is held to the highest standard possible. This process is called the B Impact Assessment 
and it is how B-Lab measures the impact of companies in each of these specific areas and assesses where we are excelling or possibly need improvement. B-Lab looks at everything from ownership, stakeholders, mission statements, and financial information on the company. This is done to evaluate the ability of the company to protect their mission and formally consider all stakeholders in the decision-making process through company structure or governing documents. Next, B-Lab has reviewed how the winery manages its employees and assesses how the winery approaches their financial security, health, wellness, safety, career development, and overall engagement and satisfaction. This part of the process is meant to recognize business models that are designed around benefiting the employees by treating them with respect, providing them with job security, and allowing for growth within the winery. After this, B-Lab looks at how the winery impacts the community around us and how connected we are with our community. This part of the process assesses the diversity and inclusion in our workforce and the e economic impact we have on the community around us, like the use of local suppliers and employees hired from the local areas, and civil engagement, including donations made by the winery to local nonprofit organizations. And the next step in the process is managing the impact that we have on the environment and what we are doing to reduce this impact. This section of our assessment looks at many different areas of our operation, including total energy use at our winery, along with monitoring our greenhouse gas emissions and carbon intensity, water use at the winery, along with tracking of water use and water reduction methods, the winery's recycling programs, and our pest management practices along with the monitoring of biodiversity on the property. The best part about all this, you don't have to just take my word for it. Anyone can go into the B Corp website and look at our B impact score to see how we impact the world around us. One of the core ideals of being a B Corp is being transparent with everyone about our business. Each year, the winery will foster the idea of continuous improvement and strive to improve our assessment score with each recertification. We will push to make our communities and environment a better place in everything we do at our winery and beyond. We believe in caring for the planet and the people who call it home. It's a commitment that benefits our employees, our visitors, our business partners, and the community at large. B Corp. Now, Mike, you're going to have to help me on this a little bit because I was trying to think of it. What was that certification that one winery was talking about that basically did the same thing as all this? I can't remember the certification, and I was racking my brain today trying to come up with it. It wasn't you, SIP, was it? It might have been. It might have been SIP, yeah. Um, I forgot to sip. Uh, let me go back down here. Um, sustainability and practice. Uh, farmers, my goodness, Yeah, I was looking up cert, uh, SIP certification while you were talking there. I thought maybe that was it. Um, 
people, planet, prosperity. Um, hmm. That's yeah. what I was thinking. I think it might have been guest talking about it. Okay. We had a guest talking about uh, being certified and all that. So uh, that's what I thought. Yeah, it was. I, I, I think um, it was Sid. You know, Sid you made it. And it sounds exactly like B certified, uh, you know, B lab. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, the same thing. So I looked up B corporation certification. Uh, and it, Wikipedia, I felt, was the best description of uh of what it actually is although there's there's different things on there um harvard business services also has an explanation of it and all that but wikipedia pretty much breaks it down i think better than anyone else and it says in business b corporation also known as b lab or b corp is a private certification of for-profit companies and uh, hmm. it's uh it is distinct from the legal designation as a benefit corporation and it says b corp or b lab uh a global nonprofit organization now the b lab is nonprofit but they certify they have offices in the united states europe canada australia and new zealand and a partnership in latin america with sis Sistema, S-I-S-T-E-M-A, Sistema B, uh, to be granted and maintained certification, companies must receive a minimum score of 80 from an assessment of all the stuff he just, William just told us about. And it says in, it integrates uh, everything that it does and all that. As of July 2022, there are 5,325 certified B corporations across 156 industries in 83 countries. Hmm. And, you know, I mean, I thought, wow, why have we not heard about this? Uh, hmm. But, uh, it, it well, the purpose of certification is, re <coughs> me, is requiring companies to meet social sustainability and environmental performance standards and meet all sorts of stuff and all that. Uh, an issue in deciding to be a certified B Corporation would be the administrative and legal cost a corporation will face in changing their business model in accordance to B Labs regulations. And here's a good point. As a matter of law in Massachusetts or states that recognize B Corp certification, it doesn't have in, doesn't bring any legal significance to its shareholders, stockholders, or to the employees. So legally nothing can be done. It's just a certification. Okay, it goes on here, listen to some advantages of certified. Point. Similar to other business associations, certified B corporations and their employees have access to a number of discounts from outside entities and fellow members. Oh, well, that's cool. Point. Academic contributions of loan forgiveness. That's cool. 
point, a branding tool. I, we are B Corp certified. And no legal liability. If you use the B Corp notification, you're not legally liable for anything that B Corp does or anybody that's associated with it. The disadvantages they list are B Lab certification has no legal status. And another last one, in order to obtain and maintain a B Corporation certification, B Lab charges annual administrative and legal fees depending on the revenue generated by the respective companies. And since you opened up all of your books to them and you opened up everything that you do to them, they know how much you make, so they figure how much you owe them based on the uh, revenue generated. So they know without, you know, you're not going to say, no, I didn't make They say, yeah, here, that's right here, right here. Oh, and the distinction from Benefit Corporation Benefit Corporation is a legal status conferred by state law in the U.S. B Lab certification is issued by a nonprofit organization and has no legislative framework. Point B Lab certification is not needed to obtain Benefit Corporation status and point USA only legislation for a the passage of this corporate legal status has been passed in 35 states, including Delaware, whereas B-Lab certification is privately issued by an organization run by people principally issued from the business community. Mm. So, uh, you know, it goes on to other things. Uh, uh, in uh, Wikipedia, like I say, it's a pretty long article. I'm not going to go through all this. But it is, uh, excuse me, it is uh, non certified, non anything. I mean, it's just it's cool to have it, but, it, you know, you're, you're opening your books up to these people and all that. Uh, and I don't know, most people I don't think know about it. In February 2022, there were over 4,673 certified B Corp across the company, across the world. Uh, entries in uh, 155 entries in 78 com countries. That was updated on oh, February 2022. That's you know six months ago. Including Canada with 78 countries uh, or companies, Australia, South Africa, Afghanistan, and outside of the United States is Sistema B, and that's in Latin America and Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Uruguay, Colombia. Uh, so it's all over the place. Uh, they have a list of some of the businesses. Saxby's Coffee is a part of it. The Seventh Generation Inc. The Body Shop. Uh, uh, let's see. Allbirds, Ben and Jerry's. A lot of these. Uh, Rude Records. I've heard of them before. Nes Nespresso is uh, 
a B Corp certified, sorry, B Lab. So, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not impressed, but I didn't say that. It, good for them. I'm glad that Ron Rubin is excited about it. I'm glad they got certified, and that's great. I think, like you said, though, Mike, there, there's others out there, and uh, I don't know if a SIP is one, but it, there's there's quite a few others out there, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, let's see, does it say, let me type in, let's see if I can talk, find anything. Uh, nope, I'm not going to be able to. Sip wine bar. Uh, sip certification. Let's see if we can. Uh, okay, SIP certified is sustainable vineyards, wineries, and wines. It's not uh, for everybody in the corporate world. It's just wineries and wines. Okay, so that is the difference there. SIP certified is a rigorous, sustainable vineyard, winery, and wine certification with strict non-negotiable standards based on science and expert input, independent verification, transparency, and absence of conflict of interest. Okay. Oh, okay. So it sounds like the same thing, really. I mean, you know, it's uh, uh, B Corp to me sounds like the same thing as SIP, only SIP is exclusive for vineyards, wineries, and wines, whereas B Corp is for everything. And it makes me wonder if Ron Rubin is SIP certified. I mean, if they can be B Corp certified, surely they can make it SIP certified. Or then the question arises, of course, maybe SIP certification is a little bit tougher and they can make it in B Corp, but they can't do it as a winery in SIP. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Don't quote me on that. I have no idea. So uh, uh, there you go. I just I wanted to let you know about that and that new certification. If you see B Corp on anything, then you know what that is now. It looks like they might be one of the first wineries that are hooking up with that B Corp, though. Again, I think the SIP certification would be better suited. But who am I to say? Who am I to say? Okay. Um, last week, we started to talk about different wines. I was giving you a little review on different wines. And I'm going to do it again this week. Finish up, actually. We got almost done with it last week. And... It was time to let you go, and so I did, and now I can't pick up this piece of paper. Now I want to finish up talking about the, the just a few wines and grapes and stuff here. Merlot. Uh, the T is silent, pronounced Merlot. 
Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, the word Merlot translates to little blackbird in French. Probably due to the blue-black color of the grape, and so therefore it's uh, Merlot grape is little blackbird. In the storied French region of Bordeaux, Merlot is blended with Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, Petit Bordeaux, and Melbach to create the fantastic Bordeaux wines, a long-lived, long-aging, fantastic Bordeaux wine. So it's a blend there. Uh, the uh, region uses all those grapes. Oldest recorded mention of Merlot dates to 1784. And it can be traced to a local official in the region of Bordeaux. We're back to Bordeaux again. And uh, he, that's, he called it a Merlot. Often Merlot is the main ingredient in the so-called Super Tuscan wines of Italy, where it is commonly blended with local grape, local grape uh, Sangiovese. So Merlot gets around as a premium grape. The Merlot grape is one of the most planted in the world. In the United States, you can find it in Long Island, California, Washington, and about two dozen other states. And you can find it in other countries, Australia, Chile, China, France, India, Italy, Japan, South Africa, and Spain. It's all over the place. It's a thin-skinned and sensitive grape. Merlot is often susceptible to rot in cooler climates and it's therefore harder to grow than the Cabernet Sauvignon. So I'm, they didn't compare it to Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir is supposed to be one of the hardest to grow. Merlot is the offspring of the grapes Cabernet Franc and Magdalene Noir de Charentos. Uh, Magdalene Noir de Charentos. That's the parents. Cabernet Franc. Cabernet Franc is a flander. It's a parent of uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, too. <laughs> One of the United States' first successful cult wines was the playfully titled Marilyn Merlot, which is, features the images of the actress Marilyn Monroe on the label. And it was very popular. That, I remember when that came out. That wasn't before my lifetime. Uh, Merlot goes by several other names in different parts of the world, including Petit Merle, M-E-R-L-E, Crabutet, C-R-A-B-U-T-E-T, Crabutet Noir, Plant Madoc, Merlot Rouge, Vitriol and Begni, all Merlots. It because the Merlot is less tannic than many other red grapes, such as Cabernet, is one of the most food friendly and drinkable wines. 
look for flavors of plum, blueberry, chocolate, and even dried tobacco. And you will find that uh, tobacco uh, aroma and taste in that it, uh, aroma, not so much taste of the tobacco in Merlot's. Merlot's can be paired with rustic red meat, such as steak and lamb, but given its fruitiness, it matches well with uh, a wide variety of meals, including uh, duck with cherries, which gives that cherries in the Merlot ages are pairs well. Also with dry aged cheeses, it goes very well. Chateau Picas, a Bordeaux wine that typically fetches thousands of dollars per bottle, is made from 100% Merlot. Uh, and uh, that's in so southwest France. So Chateau Picas. Merlot is best served around the temperature of 60 to 65 degrees. It should be enjoyed in a typical Bordeaux glass, which tends to be taller than the average red wine glass with a little bit broader bowl. Or, you know, you can get the bigger bowl. And uh, uh works well, too. Body, medium to medium heavy. Serve it at 68 degrees. And look for a bright purple-red color on the Bordeaux. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Oh, uh, typically 12 to 14 percent alcohol. That would be your alcohol range on most Bordeaux. If it smells and tastes of ripe red cherries, you're probably smelling a Merlot. Sometimes you're going to pick up flavors of plum and chocolate, and it's going to have a soft mouth feel. And it, like I said, is very food friendly. The finish is going to be soft and fruity with some mild tannins. So, uh, aging potential. Wines from the best producers and vintages, especially from France, may age gracefully for many years. Otherwise, drink it within five years. So, there you go. That's Merlot. And next one, Chianti. That's not a grape. That is a region, but... They say varietal is predominantly Sangiovese. Body mostly light to medium. Uh, Chianti, the pronunciation. Serving temperature 61 to 64 degrees. Going to get a tangy, vibrant, acidic finish on, on a Chianti. Uh, red wine glass, which you use uh, color is going to be a simmery, Ruby red flavors and aromas are going to be in your cherry, plum, and raspberry range. Alcohol is usually 125 to 13.5%. Tuscany, Italy, is the growing region. And it pairs well with, ah, guess what? Pasta and pizza. And red sauce, of course, not not your white sauce pizzas. And let's see, the next one we have here is a Pinot Gris. Pinot Gris, aging potential, young. Don't don't try to age a Pinot Gris. Just drink that's G R I S Gris. Uh, those grape stars in Pinot Grigio. Uh, 
ventures labeled their wines Pinot Gris often are signaling a more rounded and fruity expression of the grape. So you're going to get a little bit more everything if you see it Pinot Gris labeled as opposed to Pinot Grigio. Prominent regions of growing U.S. and particularly Oregon, very popular. Flavors and aromas. Look for apple, pear, melon, citrus, almonds, floral notes, and spice. Originally from Alsace, France, it pairs well with seafood, pork, poultry, and semi-soft cheeses. Get anything too heavy, it's going to overpower the wine, and you can have a glass of water and get the same results. Serving temperature, 45 to 50 degrees. Alcohol, generally 12.5 to 14.5%. Color is usually deep gold to yellow, sometimes with a whisper of pale pink. And you will see that in some of them. I've had some pinot gris that were medium body to full. And it has a, as they see here, lively yet graceful finish. You can make of that what you will. When you drink yourself a Pinot and Greed and think, is this a lively to graceful finish? Melbeck, our last one here on grapes. Melbeck, M-A-L-B-E-C, pronounced Melbeck. Serve that at 60 to 65 degrees. Body, medium to full with firm, friendly tannins. Aging potential, enjoy most Argentine Malbecs upon release. Those from Cohurst may have the greatest potential for aging. And they mentioned Argentina. Argentina makes some great, great Malbecs. By all means, to uh, check that out if you're going to get a Malbec. Flavor and aroma, red fruit on the nose, dark fruit on the palate with hints of chocolate, earth, and toasty oak. Your alcohol level is going to range between 13.5 and 14.5, typically. Color, deep, dark, inky purple. A Melbeck wine has this beautiful dark color. It's just always nice to just look at the color. Prominent growing region, Mendoza in Argentina and Cajors in France. The finish is going to range from long and ripe to a spicy and bright finish. Bright, clean. Pull out your grilled beef, meaty stews, heavy pizzas, and burgers, and have it with your Malbec. Uh, originally from Bordeaux in the Loire Valley, and it is usually reasonably priced, too, if you're looking for a Malbec. You can usually find one that is Reasonably priced. Okay, before I go any further, latest issue of Wine Spectator came out. Mike, you get yours? Yeah, I just, uh, the one with Chianti Classico? Yes. yes. Okay, yes. I have good I just got it, uh, it was today, and I haven't looked through it yet. I just, oh, wow, yes. it's upside down on the other side. Well, that again. Yeah, it is. They, okay. they, they do the, the whiskey <laughs> advocate on one side it fooled me yeah. too at the beginning. Yeah. One page and Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just but, got it. Speaking of whiskey, uh whiskey advocate whiskey fest 
is coming up in San Francisco on October 28th and New York on November 3rd and Las Vegas in December, December 2nd. So if you, I know you're listening to all about wines, but if you're into whiskeys, uh, they have a whiskey fest working its way around the country, just like a wine fest. Uh, Taste of some outstanding whiskeys they'll pour. They have a whole, almost a whole page of them here of all sorts of different whiskeys. Uh, and, oh, let's see. A lot of names you know, a lot of names you don't know. Uh, but it's uh, whiskeys from, oh, a lot of them from New York. Why is San Francisco? That can't be. That just seems strange. Why do they have SF and New York on that? Oh, these are the ones going to be ported those two areas. Oh, that's what they're doing. They just list them. And if they're on, if they're not being ported in Las Vegas, they have it here. But when I say whiskey, it's everything. They got rums, they got tequilas, they got uh, uh, Buffalo Trace uh, was one of them. Heaven Hill, uh, all sorts of different whiskeys here. So if you're into it, don't know cost, don't know anything. San Francisco, October 28th, New York City, November 3rd, and Las Vegas, Nevada, December the 2nd. And then the 41st annual New York Wine Experience is coming up. Now, this is always a big one. It's always has a lot of people, but... It says here, weekend restorations are sold out. This is October the 20th to the 22nd. That's the same date as the whiskey, isn't it? Uh, no, October 28th is whiskey. October 20th, 27th. You have this in New York, then jump on a plane and fly out to San Francisco and do your whiskey the next weekend. But they have some exceptional wines uh, that they're doing at this. They, I mean, some exceptional wines. Uh, whatever it costs, it's going to be just a worth it. I mean, you know, to be able to taste some of the wines that they're pouring. And they also have uh, a lot of big-name chefs, and they've got uh, champagne people and all sorts of stuff. Big event. October, uh, yeah, October 20th. Thursday, October 21st, Friday, general admission tickets uh, from 8 to 10. And uh, the restoration for weekend is uh, up. The Critics' Choice Grand Tasting is Thursday and Friday, October 20th and 21st. Over 200 wines rated at 90 plus, which is really, really good. So... You need to, uh, if you are in New York or if you are really looking at being able to taste a lot of good wines at a fairly reasonable price, then this is a great great thing to attend. You you have to pace yourself, though. If you don't pace yourself, then you won't make it around to as many as you want to try. A month ago, we had on... A panel of smokers, cigar smokers. Uh, they uh, enjoyed being on the show, and, and 
In fact, I, I talk to them quite often, and they're always uh, mentioning the show and how much fun it was. But the reason I bring that up is coming up in November, November the 11th and 12th uh, this year, Resorts World in Las Vegas is having Big Smoke Las Vegas. And they're advertising 25 collect 25 plus handmade cigars meet renowned cigar makers from your favorite brands enjoy premium spirits and beer attend fascinating cigar related seminars smoke with your friends and other cigar lovers so it says seminar packages make it a cigar package weekend with a weekend uh, or all access package that is sold out Big Smoke Evenings, this can't-miss event of the weekend is where you collect 25-plus handmade cigars, samples, an exciting selection of premium spirits, and if you choose the VIP, it's an extra hour of fun. That costs the VIP $450. Uh, the general admission is 350 But if you're getting 25-plus cigars then, you know, that's, you, know, you figured out $12 a cigar, something like that, for a premium cigar, that's about average. And so, therefore, it's worth it. You can walk away with some great smoke. So if you're into cigars, this is a great event. You can buy tickets at LasVegasBigSmoke.com. So, uh that's coming up. <clears throat> me. Also on this issue, if you get Wine Spectator, it's always full of information. I I, I think Wine Spectator is the better of the ones out there. There's Wine Enthusiast, Wine Spectator. And Decanter, I, I guess Decanter is still being published. Decanter is out of England. And so as far as I know, Decanter is still being published. I haven't seen it or heard about it being advertised or anything. And usually when you subscribe to something like Wine Enthusiast, you get, you know, things from other wine magazines when you subscribe to them. And I have not seen anything from Decanter. So I don't know. Maybe they're not out there. But in this issue of Wine Spectator, there's a great article toward the back of the magazine, page 79, if you're reading along with us at home, it says the amazing race for values. And it's a journey to find great bargains across the Southern Hemisphere. And this is really a good article. I I was reading through this before we got on the air. And this Chile and wines, nothing more expensive than $20. And... Argentina, again, uh, 24 is most expensive. Most of them are cheaper than that. And, oh, wait a minute. Chile's got a $27 one there. Uh, New Zealand, uh, wine listed there. Uh, also, Australia, they've got a few listed. South Africa, they've got some uh, listed. So, if you have this issue check out that. It's it's a great guide to some inexpensive wines from 
south of the equator. All right, so the latest issue of County Classical. Information, bits and pieces. I'm just going to, oh, boy, we only got about 10, 15 minutes. Uh, bits and pieces I'm going to throw out at you here uh, at, the, at the end of the show, just as a review, if you've been listening to us for many years, what, 13 now? Yeah. If you've been listening to us for many years, then you may know some of this stuff already. If you are a recently new listener, then thanks, and you might not know all this stuff. Uh, wine word. Okay. Breton, uh, Breton myces. Breton myces. This is what's known as spoilage yeast. It's considered a fault in the wine, commonly called Brett for short, B-R-E-T-T. The yeast grows on grapes and winery equipment, such as barrels. Low levels of Brett can add complexity to some wine aromas, while significant amounts give wine a highly unpleasant odor something like burnt beans or described quite often as barnyard smell. A wine imbibed with the troublesome yeast seems to get worse as it ages. So if you get a wine that is infected with Brettomyces, take it back. Don't hesitate. There is no reason to drink a bad wine and 99.9% of the stores where you got it will exchange or give you your money back. <clears throat> I'm sure, excuse me, I'm sure there's one or two out there that will battle with you, but they should know better. All right. Uh, let's see. Root survival? No. Uh, Meritage. Meritage. Uh, this is M-E-R-I-T-A-G-E. It's not meritage. It's meritage, just like heritage. It's a compound of the words merit and heritage. Meritage identifies a red or white wine, usually from America, made with a blend of traditional Bordeaux grape varieties. The trademark term licensed by the Meritage Alliance stipulates that no single grape variety may make up more than 90% of the blend. Most wineries who license the term apply it only to their best wines and limit production to no more than 25,000 cases per vintage. Meritage. That's, Meritage used to be real popular about, what, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, you don't hear too much about it anymore. It's it is a, a basically a Bordeaux blend. Instead of saying this is our Bordeaux blend, you can just say this is a Meritage. But because of the Meritage Alliance, I guess maybe there's some stipulation that they can do that. So I don't know. I'm not like I say. I'm not seeing Meritage anymore out there as much as I used to. Okay, uh, fermentation equations. Uh, fermentation 
natural cultured yeast, stainless steel or oak, malolactic fermentation or not. I mean, it's just there's all sorts of things on fermentation. I'm not going to get into it because I have covered fermentation in the past quite thoroughly. But this is something that I noticed that was really interesting. Other things that we ferment to make stuff, all right? We always think about grapes when you say you ferment something and, and make a, make me something to drink, and grapes, you see, is the first thing that comes to mind. But sugar cane molasses is fermented to make rum. Hops, barley, and cereals, say it with me, beer. Potatoes. Beets, barley, wheat, or rye. Any of those is, again, say with me, vodka. Rice is made to make sake. And then cereal grains, corn, rye, barley, is used, is fermented to make whiskey. So grape is not the only fermentation process that we use. Uh, so, old wine. Uh, 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 Old vines, old vines. You, you've seen this probably, probably on Zimidol more than anything, especially on Zimidol. But uh, they they boost saying this is old vine, and it's like, oh great, I love. Old. I do like old vines. Certain ones are really very good. But as grapevines become twisted and gnarled in their old age, they also become stingy, bearing less fruit than younger vines. The fruit they do bear when combined with optimal harvesting and winemaking techniques can result in compellingly concentrated and intense wines. Yes, I am reading this. While there is no industry standard as to how old the vines must be to qualify as old, many Zimbabwe vines have been in the ground at least 50 years and some more than a century, back before 1900. I like old vine wines. People say it makes no difference. I think it does. I, I really do. Because old vine doesn't produce as much, but what they do produce produce to me is of much higher quality, and I've always looked for old vines. Zimbardo's about the only old vine you see now. Most of the others, you don't. The old vine doesn't produce a whole lot of grapes, and so therefore a lot of wineries don't put up with it. If it's not producing, they get them out of the ground and put in something that's going to produce. So that's one of the things that, uh, you, you, one of the reasons you don't see a lot of old vine. But Zimbabwe is usually most popular, and I do highly recommend it. Uh, you can find them just about everywhere. Look on the label, and you can see old vine uh, advertised on a lot of wine bottles. Okay, oh, that article is for me. That's about cheese. Okay. And let me get this. Oh, that's a test. I'm not going to give you a test because that's that's a hard test. Okay. Acid in grapes. All grapes have acid. 
It's, you know, there's just different types of acid. Most distinctive acid in wine is tartaric acid. And it probably is the most important from a winemaking. If you're, the tartaric acid is relatively rare in plants, but grapevines have lots of it. So that's a good thing. And it was discovered that's a good thing. Concentrations can vary depending on the variety of the grape. And so some of them have high acids and some low. And so the acids responsible for the crystals that appear on some of the wines as they age, it's harmless, don't have to worry about it. People see the crystals and, you know, and they say, oh, this is from... Uh, uh, you see it on the end of the cork when you pull out on older wines, and I like to refer to them as wine diamonds. All they are is tartaric acid, the crystals from the acid. Um, so, the uh, next acid, malic acid. Uh, malic acid is tart. Uh, green apple is a good example of malic acid. Too little. Uh, which happens in grapes in warmer climates, uh, can uh, make the wine appear overripe or um, flabby, if you can understand. Uh, and too much, usually in cooler climates, a wine can become tart. So a balance needs to be there so that you can get a good uh, good amount of acid, malic acid. Uh, too much malic acid gives a mouthfeel that's unpleasantly sharp. So you, then you have to watch for that. And winemakers also encourage the development of lactic acid. It's a milder acid that is prevalent in milk products. And this is primarily done through malolactic um, fermentation. Hence the butteriness that you get in Chardonnay's. Hence, the milk you find in it, it makes sense now. That's where the malic, um, malolactic fermentation comes from. It develops the lactic acid, which is found in milk. It gives you the creamy, rich mouthfeel. And acetic acid is also produced during the winemaking process, but it's not stable uh, acid. And uh, sometimes it helps enhance wine's uh, aroma and complexity, but too much speeds a wine's journey into being bad. They use acetic acid to make wine vinegar. Again, quick little lesson on acid. Higher acid grapes, Sanzovese and Pinot Noir, and white Sauvignon Blanc and Riesling. Medium acid grapes, red Cabernet Sauvignon, Marlbeck, and white Chardonnay, Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio. Low acid, red Grenache and Merlot, and white Gruverstraminer and Voynet. So a little essence on acid in in your grapes. Uh, vermouth. I, I was going to look. I'll, I'll wait on that. I was going to look that up and tell you more about vermouth and. That little bit there. Vermouth used to be very popular. Very, very popular. A lot of people love vermouth, but you don't see it so much anymore. 
fish tacos. I've never had a fish taco. I don't know why. I just never had a fish taco. But I saw this article here, and it says, what to pair with fish tacos? Reasonings from Washington. Uh, Sauvignon Blanc from Chile. Or if you want to go something a little bit different, go with sparkling wine, like a Spanish cava. So have a wine with a fish taco. I don't know. I think the, the Sauvignon Blanc from Chile might be interesting. Avoid the Cabernet Sauvignons or Merlots or Barberas or those heavier wines. Those those are not wines to have with a fish. Uh, fish taco, not a good thing. Okay. Oops, no, not that. And... Nope, not that. Or that. Why? Uh, botrytis. Here's another word for you. Botrytis. While it may be devastating to all kinds of plants, from blueberries to flowering annuals, the fungus known as Botrytis cinerea enjoys a warm welcome in some vineyards. I didn't know Botrytis got in on flowering annuals. When cultivated properly, this gray mold makes grapes grow fuzzy and shriveled, which sweetens and intensifies the flavor of the fruit. Purpose, purposefully, Botrytis grapes eventually go into rich, luscious dessert wines, such as France's famed Sauternes. In such cases, what a gardener disparages as blight, a wine grower toasts as noble rot. And that's what it's called, noble rot. It, it is in annuals. I didn't know that. Hmm. Uh, let's see. What, oh. I'm going to leave you with something here, my last little thing here. Ice creams translated. And I'll just read you. It says, it pays to develop an ice cream vocabulary before you head over to Italy or Tuscany or anywhere else. Uh, the Florentines claim they invented gelato, and some of their frozen tweets are all over. But here's some names that you might see on ice cream um uh, boxes or packages or something when you're in the store looking up and down the aisles and you're seeing popsicles and things like that. And I've seen some of these names on there. First one, affogato, A-F-F-O-G-A-T-O. Uh, this consists of gelato and sorbetto topped with liquid. They include vanilla gelato and with hot espresso and a fruit sorbetto. Bonto crown with a liquor such as grappa. That all sounds good and fun. Gelato. It's an Italian ice cream that's made with less air and so is denser in texture. Sorbetto. A gelato. G-E-L-A-T-O. Sorbetto. S-O-R-B-E-T-T-O. Sorbetto. Italian sorbet which rarely contains milk and often brings bright, intense fruit flavors. Granita, 
G-R-A-N-I-T-A, a refreshing concoction made by freezing water, sugar, and a flavoring such as coffee, fruit juice, or wine. Stirring the mixture at various stages of freezing results in its granular texture. You can do that at home. And semifredo, S-E-M-I-F-R-E-D-D-O, semifredo, literally means half cold. This term encompasses a variety of semi-frozen or chilled desserts made with cake, ice cream, and fruit with custard or whipped cream. can also refer to a semi-frozen ice cream-like creation made with meringue and whipped cream, which keeps the dessert from freezing to a thoroughly solid state. There you go. Lesson on all about wine tonight on... Italian ice cream nights. <laughs> Sometimes we run the gamut of uh, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting though. Um, yeah, in case anyone's uh, traveling and uh, pick up uh, some tips uh, about that as well. So you yeah, see that you, know, you see some of those in the store too, or Italian restaurants. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen some of that on mm-hmm. Italian restaurant menus. So yeah, you know, it's. Always, always wonder. What yeah, exactly? And of course, you could ask the wait staff or listen to the show, and and you don't have to ask the wait staff. You go in there with so much knowledge that you don't right. have to ask questions. And you look like you know, they'll say they'll start speaking to you in Italian. And, you know, uh, true. And then, <laughs> then you can get in that puzzle, puzzle book. Then, some things we don't cover. Then, that <laughs> dog <laughs> tilted head look. You know, go. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's see. It is uh, 8.07 p.m. here. Um, oh, let me, Blog Talk Radio. It's about 9 o'clock. And, do, we have any, do we have anything coming up this week here? Uh, any oh, holidays? Any wine holidays? Uh, let's see. Uh, Let's see, today's what, the 15th? No, the 8th. No, 8th. 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 Okay. Uh, yeah. Port Wine Day is coming up Saturday. So go out and have yourself some port. Uh, sorry, I've got a couple of bottles of strawberry port, which I'm not sharing, but Port Wine Day, Saturday. Sunday, International Grenache Day. It's also Patriot Day, as an aside there, to let you know. And uh, the next Saturday is Grenache Day, which, I don't know, third Friday in September or Saturday, or I don't know. But Port Day is coming up Saturday, and International Grenache Day is Sunday. Okay. Well, let's see. All righty. Um, I'm glad we got that uh, that update because uh, I have it written down from last week, and I go, no, there's nothing that we talked about last week that would cover this coming this weekend. Week. So yeah, the, yeah. Port out. day Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. Really enjoy enjoy a glass of port mm-hmm. Saturday. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all righty. I think uh, we're closing the show here at uh, 
about 8.09, 8.10 p.m. Eastern Time and uh, on September 8th. Thank you all for tuning in, as always, and uh, whether it's uh, live or Memorex, whatever it used to be. But um, thank you all for tuning in. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you uh, Memorex. <laughs> next week. Remember, yeah, remember that show? Is it, is it live or Memorex? Yes, you know? I remember. Ah, that was yeah. long ago. Cassette yeah. tape or something. Yeah, real to real, whatever it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's why I chuckled. I remember that. I haven't heard that. And, yep. Well, they would, that play show. Some, <laughs> they would play some kind of tune or some kind of note, and they would say, is it live or Memorex? And you go, well, and, it's on my TV. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, uh, and then yeah, they'd have someone – well, they'd have someone there playing like a cello, and then they'd have something, the, the, the yeah. tape would play the same song, and they'd say, which is <laughs> live, you know. Right. We'll see you all. Uh, uh, talk to you all next week. Uh, September 15th will be the next show, 7 p.m. Eastern time. You want to catch us live. We appreciate that. And uh, chat with us as well on those social media outlets that we mentioned. And uh, you'll have a great weekend and a safe uh, week ahead, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Be safe. This concludes, this concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook. Or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwine.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash All About Wine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you, next, we'll see time. you next time. <laughs> all about wine. All about wine. That's right. I think it's almost Bro. time to make a new opening and closing, so we don't do that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we'll put another language. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thing. <there> <laughs> Boy, well, dear. Green. 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 Yeah. <laughs>